This is episode 46, Sweet November, from 2001. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. With us today, we have our number one Keanu Club expert, all things all Keanu, Melissa Lynham. Hello, Melissa. Hello. Thank you for that oversell. I'm trying to build up your reputation as the number one, the preeminent Keanu (laughs) expert in all the land. She's the supposed rom-com specialist that signed up for two movies that turned out not to be rom-coms. Yeah, I'm bad at identifying them. And I think the other movie you wanted to do was The Lake House, which we're not going to get to for a while, but I don't think that's a rom-com either. Like, well, I knew Keanu that wasn't. Was, Keanu's not a rom-com kind of guy. He's more of a, just a romance, sappy romance kind of guy. This was funny. It tried was to be. it? And it was like light. It was like light. Not The Lake House is, has no humor from what I remember, but this one was had some light moments. It ends heavy, though. Yeah. I think that's the problem. Like, it ends where I feel like it wants to be the whole film, but... Yeah, I think there's more unintentional laughs for me in this one than <laughs> just ones thrown in for levity. But that's a good point about uh, not being a rom-com guy, because even Walk in the Clouds, we sort of thought there was going to be more comedy in that, at least. And yeah, he's just an old romantic, I guess. <laughs> yeah, this is... So we had a, we, we kind of have a cage moment toward the end, and we're jumping way out of order, but when he's sort of a crooner, like his final Christmas gift, and I'm like, oh, he can't do that. I'm just thinking about Cage in Wild at Heart and how great he sounds as Elvis, you know, both in the middle of the movie and the end of the movie. And here, it's just Keanu with really, like, no backing vocals, nothing else behind him. Like, that's just not in his wheelhouse. Only know what I know The passing years will show You've kept my love so young So new Like he's great at action, he's great at other stuff, but this is he is he a good romance actor or is he just a handsome guy that women want to look at while watching a movie that's gonna make them cry? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> well, let me try and answer a couple of those. Um <laughs> first as far as regarding Cage, I got a big cage vibe from this, like as something that I feel like he would have destroyed this role. Like I got like a family man type of feel with this where you have um, an executive who doesn't care about people and is given a chance yep. to lead this life and is shown what love is and by the end he is transformed and, and wants that but sort of can't have it anymore. So I was thinking Cage a lot and then as far as Keanu singing oh boy yeah this you know that was tough like I understand now you know when we talked in the Dog Star episode uh, which I think was the Me and Will movie episode yep, yep, yep. turned into the Dog Star like why he's not the front man and I think we get... <laughs> part of that answer here um and third of all i do think he works as the romantic lead like i understand his appeal and i feel like this is in his wheelhouse 
I mean, I wish that we had Cage. I guess this is the turn of the century. Maybe, I don't know why, because The Family Man was 2000. This is basically a Valentine's Day movie, 2001. So it's right in that era of overworked businessmen. Maybe it's a thing that we've always seen through cinema, but maybe it's something that's just coincidental that Cage did this movie, you know, the year before, and Keanu does this here, and they're learning lessons in different ways, but they're all about really just sort of stop and smell the roses, and life is about the people, and not about making money, and you shouldn't wind up like Frank Langella, you should live a little bit more carefree like Charlize Theron. (laughs) Yeah, and they both, one's Christmas, and this is Thanksgiving, eventually. And it kind of morphs into Christmas at the very end. We have another, at least the second time since Babes of Toyland, we have Keanu in a Santa hat. So when I was looking for pictures to post on our page about Happy December or whatever, I just found Babes in Toyland, but I didn't even know this one existed. So now we have another one, maybe a, a better quality image to use for next year. First of all, I love the title Happy December much more than Sweet November. I, I think we had him in the hat in that um, Thomas Jane movie. He came out at the end in a Santa hat too, and you mentioned Babes in Toyland. So like him him with the Santa hat has become like a connection. That's kind of fun. Wait, what Thomas Jane movie? What am I forgetting? The one where he was um, the beatnik. Oh, God. The last time I committed so I suicide? Yes, the last time I committed suicide. Okay. Yeah, I, he was I blocked, I blocked everything out about that. We also get cage connection sort of in that we have a really awkward bubble bath scene i was just thinking about meg ryan in city of angels <laughs> because it's just it's just it's out there i just I'm, i'll be upfront. i don't like this movie i think that it's uh it's not made for me first of all i think the problem maybe was that i'd never seen this but i knew that spoiler alert charlize is dying so that reveal didn't do anything for me and so if that sort of blindsided me, because I, I think it's set up pretty well. I mean, you know that she's hiding something, but if I didn't know the twist, I think I would have been more affected by it. But the fact that I knew the twist, and this is not exactly the kind of movie that I would watch on a normal day-to-day basis, I just didn't really fully get behind it. I really liked it, but I also, I know it's a bad movie, but I still liked it. I liked it when I first saw it, and I liked it again now, but I, I know that it's not good. But I'm accepting it, you know? I love it with all its flaws and its Well, I, I do want to tell you, I want to reassure you that the guy who created the Razzies listed this in the 100 most enjoyably bad movies ever made. So he wrote a book about bad movies, but basically bad movies that he likes or that you can enjoy, and this is in there. So it's pretty, I think, widely accepted that this is not a good movie, but it is also kind of accepted that this is a movie that is watchable and likable. So you admitting that it's a bad movie, but liking it? Totally on board. Maybe you should work for the Razzies. Maybe I should. I don't don't think we have (laughs) the same opinions on a lot of movies, though. I think it's okay. You know, I mean... Like Joey, it's just not for me. It's just not my genre. I feel like it's just targeted more towards women because it's ultimately, you know, about the... I don't know if this is some kind of fantasy thing or something, or but it's like about, you know, being able to find a man and sort of change him, right? To change the man and, like, be the woman to make his life better. I kind of feel like that's a theme going on here. And it's just kind of strange in a way to me, like, watching this whole movie... Like, I do think it is likable, like, there's good moments, but I don't think they spend enough time with her illness, to be honest with you. Like, I, I think it comes too late, that whole reveal for me. It just, like, all of a sudden there's a 180 and it turns and it becomes, you know, gloomy. And I feel like maybe if it was revealed to the audience a little earlier what she was hiding, you know, or 
hinted at a little bit stronger like if she just come from the doctors or something and just you know had through that information things like about the script just don't really stand up for me but I understand like it's a movie just filled with little moments you know it's just filled with adorable moments and romantic moments and heartbreak and so it's just feels designed to put you on an emotional roller coaster I wasn't really aware at how much of a critical and commercial flop this was this was definitely a movie that I had known about before this, before we started Keanu Club. I thought this was kind of like a bigger movie. I mean, this is a reunion of Keanu and Charlize from a couple movies ago from The Devil's Advocate. They play another couple that's sort of doomed to not live happily ever after. But it only has a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is probably close, but maybe a little bit harsh. It only made $25 million in America. It made another $40 million overseas, for 65 million total, but at like a 40 million dollar budget. I just didn't. I thought this was a much bigger, more successful, more liked movie than these numbers sort of lead me to believe. Was it released on Valentine's Day? It was released on February 16th, 2001. So probably Valentine's Day weekend or whatever. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see it in theaters because I was 13, 14. I definitely saw it at home, like on TBS or something, or not TBS, TNT, one of those dramatic ones. TNT knows drama. TBS is very funny. So yes, probably exactly. TNT. It is a little surprising that it, it didn't perform because it's not a big movie. You know, like it's not huge. It's I mean, maybe it's got Charlize and Keanu in it. I feel like that's where most of the money must have gone because like they're shooting in San Francisco, but you wouldn't really know it. Like it's not like they're highlighting, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge or this and that or like the trolleys. I mean, it's very sort of nonchalant about where it takes place it almost feels like oh let's just shoot it here because it's cheap or something so that is kind of interesting to me like I feel like this is the type of movie that would hit the mainstream pretty hard and be like a love actually kind of thing where it's like oh even though it let's watch it it'll be the romantic movie of November yeah so that is a little surprising that it's not more well liked it is weird where it's set because at one point she's like, oh, we just need to drive to Oakland. I was like, wait, are they in L.A.? Mm-hmm. They can't be in L.A. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I, I sort of fit the puzzle pieces together. But you're right. Like, there's no real sense of place. It's just there's sometimes, like, really sloped streets. Like, there's nothing else really defining, at least that I saw, about the city that, like, there's parks that they go to and stuff like that. But it's not, you know, in the cliche, like, New York is the fifth character or whatever. You know, like, it's not like they use the city to really emphasize their love or anything like that. It's just, this is where the movie's set because this is where the movie's set. Until they they said that Oakland thing, I thought they were in New York, so the whole DMV thing at the beginning made no sense to me because I was like, why is he driving if he lives in New York? (laughs) Like, I was was so puzzled by that. I also didn't know, and maybe this answers some of our questions, that this is a remake of a 1968 movie. Oh, really? Called Sweet November? Yeah, called Sweet November. Hmm. about I think I think about the same I yeah I think the same plot too even to the meet cute at the DMV where she gets in trouble there well all that makes more sense for a movie set in that time era like for instance the sort of cliche of women drivers would have been much stronger back then than it plays now and the whole idea of her having cancer would be a huge shock I feel, you know, back then, and to see that in film. I mean, not like cancer wasn't around or anything, but just to see it portrayed on screen must have been pretty shocking to some audiences, more so than now. I was still shocked now that she was dying and nothing could help, but I guess it was still 10 years ago. I mean, people still die from cancer, but it was just, 
I guess it wouldn't help the plot if she lived. Well, what's the what's the thing that she just didn't get herself checked out, right? She just didn't treat it? No, she did. She tried everything, they said. And then she was just like, well, nothing's working. Time to go. And then went on her calendar journey. Right. Yeah, she made like a conscious decision to stop fighting it, you know, and mm-hmm. to start changing other people's lives while she still had time and like she says at the end she wants to be immortalized and so she she finally is through Keanu's memory all we have is how you remember me and I need that memory to be strong and beautiful don't you see if I know that I'm remembered that way then I can face anything Nelson, you're my immortality. I want to take care of you, Sarah. I'm going to be all right. I'm going home. I know I'm coming. I need to do this. It just doesn't seem... Just like I need to know that you'll go on and have a beautiful life. The one you deserve. I only want you. You have me forever. Now let me go. So the, I'm reading the wiki synopsis of the original movie, and it looks like the difference is that she falls more in love with November than she does in any of the other months, but whereas in the movie that we watched, she sort of gives up on her guy-a-month thing to go wait out her days with her family and sort of make amends there. She just packs November's bags and December comes in. And so she's just like, don't forget me. So she's going to keep going like that. doesn't look like there's like anything cancer-related, but just that she's dying. She doesn't have much time left. But yeah, that's kind of a little bit... Like, I don't know which ending is better. I, I mean, they're both one. sad endings. I guess this one's a little bit more... A slightly more uplifting because at least she's going to mend the the reconcile the, yeah with the family mm-hmm. as opposed to just no I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and just die as one of these guys eventually interesting I, I actually since you brought up that she goes on to the next month I'd have liked to have seen more of her past male conquests or something we only get to see Chaz who she helps realize his full potential which is that he likes men not women which was an interesting twist I thought that actually worked pretty well that like this has worked before and so she keeps going but I would have liked to have had like a maybe a dinner party like with every month like uh, and see what happened like some or at the end if Keanu got them all together I just felt like that was one of many places that they just didn't really have time to explore they, yeah. they just really wanted to keep it between the man and the woman. I think that's part of the problem. You just run out of time because there's that scene where he storms out of her apartment early on and she knows, you know, the old couple on the street and we meet the little kid and there's like a couple guys in the middle that she knows by name. Those are like opportunities as well. And like we sort of, you know, there's a little bit of a father-son subplot there with Keanu and the kid. But if you add in all of a sudden five or six or eight or ten or whatever other months, it's like, where do we have the time for all of this? Because there's also the transvestites downstairs. There's so many people in this movie already, and it's already two hours that, like, I think it would have been cool to add in more of those guys and sort of, you know, especially if Keanu, like you said, gathers them all together, but what do you remove? Yeah, I think you gotta dump that kid stuff. Like, I understand why it's there, but it doesn't doesn't feel like the time is there for that to have as much an impact as well as him changing for Charlize, too. 
I think what does work that's sort of like the good B story is his advertising career. You know, he's sort of a Don Draper when we meet him and he works like a, in a Mad Men type advertising agency. And, you know, he gives that horrible pitch <laughs> about hot dogs. And then later on, we find out that Chaz runs sort of a competitor. He's like, the, he, he was his competitor. And so I always thought that they were going to work together at the end of the movie but we don't even get that little resolution you know so it's weird that they do have the b story with the ad agency and the one with the kid but neither of them really feel like they get tied up at the end keanu just kind of walks off into the sunset yeah what is he gonna do yeah, what is he going to do? It feels like there needed to be at least like one or two extra scenes there where it's like a couple months later or a year later and they're at like, you know, maybe not at like her grave, but maybe he's having a memorial party and is like keeping his promise to have her remember. And it's like every November he gets together and throws this party. I bet he goes back to normal. I think he's going to be back to normal, his like dick self. He's probably going to be really bitter, you know, bitter that he that she did that and he'll hate women and... That's where I saw it going. He's going to be even worse off yes. than when she found him. Yes, exactly. I don't, I like <laughs> to think not. I actually, I hope he just walks like straight from there over to Chaz's and asks for a job and then they go on to be successful and yeah, and do, and do that hot dog campaign the way it should be. Hot diggity dog. We get in the beginning of the movie, was Gilmore Girls on TV at this point or no? I think so. Because we get. Look it up. Lorelai, Lauren Graham. Lauren Graham? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Lauren Graham. In, basically, I mean, not naked, like, that you can see anything, but, like, nude in the beginning, and then you have her in underwear for, like, a long time. So it started in 2000. So that was already on, but it's weird to see, like, this... I I mean, I've never seen a minute of Gilmore Girls. You're missing out. It's good. I'm I'm sure sure it is. (laughs) I've only ever seen one movie that starts with a sex scene that wasn't a porno, you know? Like, that... That was kind of shocking to me. Like, the movie opens with Keanu finishing in the morning. And saying that was good. Yeah, having having tea with Miss McGill before the alarm goes off. I do remember, I think The Sitter with Jonah Hill starts with him going down on a girl. Like, that's how they enter. What other movies? I'm sure there's a lot of movies that open with sex. So, okay, here's a question for you, Melissa. Yes. On Gilmore Girls, is she, like, a wholesome mother? I know that they have, like, a very unconventional mother-daughter relationship. Like, I get the sense that that show overall is kind of wholesome, but, like, sort of like a real take on certain things. Well, she had Rory when she was 16, so okay. it's like we don't see that. She's not a slutty mom or anything. She's like a like a quirky, normal mom. She's but not in on, her underwear. Okay, so based on, yeah, based on her, her portrayal or her character no. on that show, is it shocking to see her basically like a sex object in this movie? No, because I did not think that underwear was sexy. <laughs> Well, it's 2001. I mean, it's 15 years ago. It's a different fashion. I know. It wasn't Um, that bad. She was covered. In her defense, she does not want this just to be a sexual relationship. She really wants this to turn into, like, a real relationship. She wants Keanu to meet her parents. It is not happening because he doesn't have time for anything other than, you know, good sex in the morning and then jump right in the shower and just sort of mutter to himself about good dog, big dog, best dog. Top dog, big dog, bad dog. I'm the best dog. Who's the best dog? Top yeah, dog. Who was getting John Wick dog? Memories? I know. I wrote yeah. down John Wick in a little sad face. Hot yes. dogs, like crazy. That was mm-hmm. the grossest scene. I really didn't like it. So there's the hot dog scene in Dream the Believe, right? Yeah. 
where Jordan, if Jordan's listening to this, I don't know if she listens to the Keanu Club, but Jordan, if you are, if you were on this episode, we would not get past that scene because there's a scene where he's just pitching hot dogs, and it's more insane than that hot dog scene in Flying, which I didn't think we would top. What are we selling here? We're selling temptation, desire, animal instincts, gluttony, sin. We want to show man as he really is. A savage. He needs fire. He needs food. He hunts and gathers. What does he get? He gets a hot dog. We're pagans. We love our rituals. Our team hits the ball out of the park. We're screaming. We're insane. What do we want? We want a hot dog. Let's go straight to your preteen demographic. Kids. The little angels. They're not angels. They're monsters. We give them a tuna sandwich. They don't want a tuna sandwich. They want a hot dog. We need women. We've got the mothers. We want the daughters. Let's ask that age-old question. What does a woman really want? You know. I know. She wants a hot dog. We're hot-blooded. We need sex. We need a sinful, dangerous food. What is it? It's a hot dog. It's a hot dog. It's a hot dog. It's a hot dog. Dr. Diggity. It's a hot dog. Like, it's crazy that we have peaches for cage, and I guess Keanu's thing is hot dogs. That is crazy. That is so funny because it is also like a sexual metaphor. Yeah, very much well, so. Like food. I couldn't believe him in that sequence, like how hard he was trying to pitch that and how terrible the pitch was. And well, then I don't know if it's a terrible out. pitch. I think it's just not what they're looking for. If you want to have like a rockin' hot dog, like that's a kind of, that's kind of a decent <laughs> pitch. But, but like the evolution of the pictures again, it, it reminded me of when James Spader was looking at photos in The Watcher where he had just these giant pictures and it was like a cool looking hot dog. But then it was like a girl with like a hot dog suggestively going into her mouth yep. with like a guy standing in front of her and it just got more and more pornographic by leaps and bounds i was just i wonder if that was for comedic effect or if they were like no this is the real world like this is how ad pitches go for sure professionally like we sat in on one and keanu spent like a month at an ad agency and like this was <laughs> this was true to life i don't know <laughs> it definitely showed how uh, unaware he was of others because he was giving it his all, and he didn't read the room once. No one looked happy. Maybe that was the point. Maybe the point was to show how self-absorbed he is and how he doesn't consider anyone else's feelings and thinks he's the best no matter what. And then <laughs> the very next scene, what, he's fired. <laughs> like, well, it's established early on that he is the best, that he he wins an award at the beginning of the movie. He's like, I got no time for this. He's so good at his job and so busy and so on to the next thing that, you know, being recognized for the work isn't even enough to get him to stop on his way to his desk in the morning. Yeah, I was picking up like a Frank Cross vibe from Scrooge. Like, yeah, there's even that scene where he's sitting in front of a bunch of television monitors like he's Ozymandias or something in Watchmen, where he's like making, you know, he's got like every different channel on searching for his ads. No, you know what I thought? You know who I thought of in that scene? I thought of True from True Confessions. Oh, yeah. And all his movies shout out where she has all the TVs in her bedroom, all the screens. He has literally eight TVs. They're all like eight small TVs 
sort of stacked in like a, almost like a three by three grid. There's just two in the middle. At one point, he's just watching like all different commercials, and at another time, all eight TVs are tuned to the same show. So, I mean, I don't know how he's using those TVs, but it's not <laughs> effective. Yeah, just another character trait. Like, he rejects the real world, and he's too, you know, into material stuff. Like, that's the other thing. Like, she sort of, like, gives away all of his clothes, and he learns that there's no value in possessions. Like, almost kind of a very Buddhist message I was picking up there from Charlize, where it's like, accept the moment and be happy for what you have and who you're with instead of things and objects, and that was kind of surprising. We also find a real disconnect later when he's at Charlize's apartment. She only has one TV, like a real commoner, and that's a planter. Like, it doesn't even work. It's just for it's just for plants. So he's he does not know what to make of that. That was a very quirky, cute little touch. I feel like that was, like, I feel like Charlize is portrayed, like, as the quirky girl a little ahead of its time to be a stereotype yet. Like, I'm not sure if the new girl was on the air yet or if... Zoe Deschanel was, you know, the poster child for no, no, no. We are we're still like a decade before that. Exactly. Yeah. So like, this is almost like a prototype version of that. I felt. Yeah, and and it's just funny how they equated her being sort of like a free liver. Right. Like she lives free because she can die any minute, and that comes through with like, oh, I'll wear rain boots when it's not raining, and like a scarf, and you know, like this oversized coat, and I'll just look like all bizarre and stuff. Um, and approach everybody. She's a manic pixie dream girl before that term is invented by the AV club like five or ten years later. Like, she is Zoe Kazan or Zoe Deschanel or other people not named Zoe that are just <laughs> girls who are impossibly cute and just basically dropped into your life to make you realize that you're living wrong. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Okay, so now, Melissa, here's, a, here's an mm-hmm. important question for you. I'm glad we have a feminine take on this. So she says to him... Before he breaks up with Lauren Graham, before he gets fired, she's like, I want you to live with me for a month. And he says, no, I can't do that, blah, blah, blah. And they sleep together the first night. Like, this, when he comes on to her the first time, obviously she's, like, into him, and she's been super flirty and super, like, let's live in the now. But he comes on her, and he, she keeps telling him to slow down. But, like, is that too much too fast? Because it seems aggressive. Keanu? Yeah. Yeah, that's aggressive. Okay. Yeah. He was, like, within one minute, he wanted to be inside of her. It was too much. So it's not necessarily that night that's the problem. It's just the fact that, like, he comes out of the bathroom after being cleaned off of puppy pee, and he comes out, and he's just like, I need to be inside you right now, even though we've never kissed. Yeah, I think that's the problem, not more like... It's not a big deal that they met that day. That's, like, in every movie, people are always having one-night stands. But it's, like how fast he wanted to be in there too fast too fast too furious <laughs> she keeps saying this is a win-win situation i don't know what she, like what does she, <laughs> what does she really get out of this because she has people around her who love her it's not like she's alone and just looking for someone she's got the two guys downstairs the, the guys downstairs love her yeah but yeah. i mean i think it's like her family is the thing right like she doesn't have any family by choice like for whatever reason and i wish we got the reason i wish we had at least one scene between keanu and the sister but we get like a phone half a phone call or something like that but i really wish we got more of a explanation not explanation but like an origin for her you know what she was like before she decided to stop fighting yeah we don't really know anything about her family other than she has a sister yeah, who never shows up. Right. And they're just not on speaking terms for what reason we don't know. Like, we have no idea. Aren't they not speaking because of how she decided to stop her treatment and live yeah. her life? Yeah. 
It's just, we don't know anything about them. I think that that's also a thing that they could have added, like, past Men of the Month, but, like, where do you put that in? Like, if you bring that girl in, if you bring the sister in in the, the beginning of the third act, like, that's what the third act has to be about. Like, there's nothing else. Like, if you bring her on screen, she's suddenly, like, the main focus. Like, you're not going to bring her on for, like, two scenes and then, like, ship her back off home, because that just it would be even worse than what we have here. We should have had a flashback to Sublime Pets and see what her corporate life was like. SublimePets.com with yeah, the it's best not a, website? You can buy it, you guys. It's for sale. The domain? Yeah, I went and checked. <laughs> so that's better because when we did all his movies, there was, I think it was Transformers 2. There was yeah, the URL, deal.com, which was some kind of eBay-ish site. And now if you go to that site, because we went to it for that podcast it's like owned by some chinese company and there's nothing english about it at all and it's like why didn't the movie studio just keep that domain i'm glad that this has not been shipped overseas we're making america great again by keeping sublimepets.com available for sale here in the u.s i really wanted to see the old crappy website and have like a nice little walk down memory lane but i i I mean i could buy it and recreate it if i really wanted Well, I think maybe to try and answer your original question, Joey, like, what does she get out of this, right? I, and I think that goes back to just she wants to change him. She she sees a man that she thinks is unhappy with his life and wants to open his third eye, right? Like, make him more free and less restricting and by the book and all that. And it, And it works in this sense. And I also think maybe... She says at the end she wants to find a person that accepts her and will remember her and fall in love with her forever so that she becomes immortalized and is never forgotten. And so maybe she has gone through several other men and it wasn't until Keanu fell in love with her, like for realsies, that she realized, oh, wow, it's like the I've changed the guy I never thought I'd ever change. And now we're in love and, you know, mission accomplished. Like I, that's kind of where I feel it's trying to go. I did notice that, I don't know if this is something, I don't think we talked about this yet, but in both movies, like, she's trying to change him here, but in both movies, and I guess this is common throughout all movies, he's being transformed in both movies that he's in with her, and it's sort of through power or corruption. Like, here it's out of goodness, right? But in The Devil's Advocate, it's sort of out of money and greed and power and the devil and Satan and sin and all that stuff. Like, it's it's very opposite, but he sort of starts in, like, a similar place, like a driven career guy. And on the one hand, branching paths, on one hand, he becomes a thoughtful, at least in the movie, thoughtful and open to the world and loving person. And on the other, he just becomes the son of Satan. I think what works well regarding Keanu in both roles is that he can play highly susceptible to influence very well. Like, his characters are both very easily tricked into doing stuff they didn't know they wanted to do, in a way, and I feel like he plays that off really well. Like, in this movie, I mean, yeah, they do they do have tea with Miss McGill maybe, you know, too early, maybe it should have been a, a couple days or whatever, but I sort of buy all the stuff about how she changes him, like, how he accepts the loss of his clothes so easily and how he accepts oh the guy from downstairs is just gonna walk in and kiss her on the mouth whenever he wants to and like okay like he just rolls with stuff i feel like he plays that off really well as an actor but i feel like for a character as far as like the strength of of the character's arc it just doesn't work as well as something like family man because i don't feel like his wife is the one trying to change him alone right like it's just he's, he's dropped into a completely different type of life that he acclimates to and realizes that he's capable of 
of living. And so it just, it's weird that here it's sort of very one-on-one -on -one and hammered home. I just really wish there was more outside influence, not just Charlize Theron, but like all the other people in her life that mean things to her and, you know, if the things she likes about culture and art and stuff, like if a little more of that rubbed off on him over the course of the film, I think it would be a stronger character. Yeah, because yeah, nobody else cares about his change other than for selfish reasons. Like, Abner doesn't care. Like, the little kid doesn't care if he's around or not other than he's just like a father figure to him. Like, he doesn't want Keanu to change for Keanu's benefit. He wants Keanu to change for his benefit, right? And I guess that's the upside and the downside about the compressed timeline of a month that you only have a month. You don't want to waste any time, so everything has to happen fast. And I would agree that Keanu, the actor, plays it well, but Keanu, the character, just, he gives in too quickly. There should be, like, more, like, there should be, like, a week or something of just sort of fighting or back and forth, and it just seems like on day two, they're like, all right, we're in this. Like, let's just go with it. And I know that they sort of speed things up because he gets dumped and fired, but still, he could, you know, fight for his job back or move on to some other girl or whatever and realize that she can't give him what Charlize gives him. There's other things you could do. It just seems like he's like, all right, I'm along for the ride. This crazy woman who I literally met two days ago, I'm just all in with her. I have no problem with the speed. <laughs> <laughs> it's so romantic, you guys. Um. I mean, it's like they set themselves up with this premise, right? She gives each guy a month and that's it and so in a way the script needs to adhere to the confines of the premise and I think it does an adequate job for that I mean it could be done better if it was still called Sweet November but it didn't have the whole only one month thing because then you could you know stretch it out to whatever and then just she dies in November or something and that's why November was the sweetest because it was the last month or something but I, I kind of forgive it because it's working within the boundaries of the premise of it's one month, keep it to one month, and that's all it's going to be. Well, they explain once why a month it's long enough to be meaningful but short enough to stay out of trouble. And I guess like that's that's the only explanation for why it's a month. There's no other justification that's like the movie saying, hey, this is why it's a month. They're like, all right, that's good enough for me, I guess. But yeah, I mean, timeline is strange. I do agree with you, Mike. Maybe they only gave her a year to live once her treat, when they were like oh, you're stopping your treatment? You only have a year. And she's like, okay, well, month's already divided up for me. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, then what happened in September? Why didn't she have a guy in September? Was there just no guy down on his luck enough for her to fix in September? Because that's Maybe getting toward sick. the end of the life. Maybe she was sick, like how she was in the end of November. Maybe she oh. like was pretty sick in September and then like Rebounded. got refills on all those prescriptions in her closet and then got a short Mr. October and then Maybe. moved on to Sweet I feel November. bad for Mr. February with a short month. Yeah, that's not fair. Maybe it was a leap year and he got that one extra day. Ooh, getting close, getting close. There is, in that scene, this is such a long scene for the movie that we could have seen do other things better or whatever, but there's that boating scene where Abner and a bunch of kids go boating. The cheating scene. What I thought was really funny was, the one. I mean, not really funny because this is kind of sad, but whatever, but that one kid's like, that's really cool. Not. Oh, that's really cool. Not. What is it, Pokemon's dinghy? <laughs> and it just reminds me, as we were recording this a couple days ago, President-elect Trump just did the not joke in a tweet, quote-unquote joke, and so I'm like, oh, hey, look, he's got the humor level of a 12-year-old movie kid from 15 years ago. <laughs> but later in that scene, when Keanu pays the older kid $100 to use his submarine to, I guess ram the other boats? I'm not exactly sure what's going on, because it's not shooting missiles. Of great importance to you, Mike, they used footage, apparently, from the hunt for Red October in that scene. No way. That's, that's what IMDb says. Underground? Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I don't know if that's 
sad for one for Red October or good for this movie? Because I saw that shot and I was like, oh, it's quite a nice model. Yep, well, that's that's from that, so there you go. Mm. Yeah, I was just appalled at that scene, to be honest, because I was like, Keanu's going to cheat. I can't believe he's going to cheat for this kid and, like, totally teach him the wrong lesson here. And he does, and everyone kind of goes along with it. Charlize, even afterwards, is like, I don't really think that was cool, but whatever. <laughs> We're still together. And I think one of the kids, did one of the kids actually say that the kid's boat looks like Pokemon's dick? He said Pokemon Did that come something. out of his mouth? Oh, I, mi- I missed that line. He said Pokemon something, but I didn't hear... I don't remember what he and said. And then I was like, why would he say that? And I looked at the boat, and it's like this hyper-color rainbow of brightness, you know? So I guess yeah. it kind of would look like a Pokemon's private parts, I suppose. <laughs> Strange. Real And also, weird. that boat was about to sink every second it was on screen. Yeah, all the like, boats kind of were. They were all kind of <laughs> shitty. <laughs> and it also... I'm sorry to keep going on here. But last thing, it also seemed kind of strange because was he, were they crashing some sort of event? Like it seemed like all the other kids were there for a reason and there's some guy with like a jacket on and being officialized. But then Keanu and Charlize just show up with this kid in this boat and are like, yeah, we're here too. And we're going to just crash this event. Well, I, again, I have no problem with this scene. I think it's wonderful. I don't, I look like they were in like a, not boy scouting, but like, their shirt has some like that, boys yeah. group on it so maybe he like didn't have the shirt or couldn't afford the shirt clearly couldn't afford a nice boat all right so sort of like a pinewood derby but with yeah boats, I guess. <laughs> gotcha and i was i was sort of fearing that at the end of that scene they go back and they drop abner off and he's like hey next time we do this can we do this with cars and keanu's like yeah and i'm like please don't show that scene but like thankfully we don't get that scene <laughs> we just get the Father Sunday, Father Day, or whatever, just oh, some random so day later in the movie, which is on the same day that Charlize is basically on the verge of death from her cancer, like she's just wants to take a bath. That day is a crazy hectic day, and Admiral's like, hey, come on, like I know you got your own shit going on, but like come with me, like you promised. And again, it's just like, yeah, he's a good father figure-ish, but is that really where he should be at this time? Like I know Charlize doesn't want him in her apartment, but shouldn't he be around? He could be having vocal lessons for a better Christmas present. Yep. I mean, he could do so much more stuff with his time. You guys, I thought it was Father Sunday, not Father Son Day. Like, I was like, why is it a, like on a Sunday? Oh. Because <laughs> of the kid, like the way he was saying it and acting. I was like, oh, it's Father Sunday, like as in Saturday, Sunday. But then they show up in his classroom and I'm like, it's not Sunday. And I was like, oh, Father Sunday. Like, I just couldn't connect it. Also, I not just a real didn't no, feel like it should have been in the movie. That's not your fault because that's not a real thing. No, it's not. It's like not career like career like day. The, that's like the opposite of like it's like instead of take your child to work day, it's like take your parent to school day. Yeah, it looked shitty. All he did was make a little speech about Keanu. Did, did he even need to be there? Like I don't. No, and Keanu wasn't even paying attention. We could have done away with that scene. <laughs> yeah, it's weird in what it decides to dwell on outside of the Keanu Charlize relationship. Yeah. We get the Enya song twice, which just come out a couple months earlier, Only Time. Have you ever heard of a Phalaenopsis Sandariana? It reminded me of you. Got the job, didn't you? Best offer anyone ever made me. So when do you start? We had a little problem agreeing on that. He suggested immediately. I suggested...
apparently there was some remix. I was reading on that Wikipedia page because I want to see if this was written for this movie or not, and it's not. It was on her album that came out the previous fall, but they just used that song twice in this movie. And apparently the only other thing that I read of the synopsis is that like, they remixed that song and like the proceeds went to 9-11 victims. So it's a very strange... Okay. I mean, that song is timeless and not good. And you will hear it as the outro music. I mean, I know Mike does the editing for these, but like that has to be the outro music for this because it is... It's just that's the song of the movie. And it's bad. Unless, I mean, I'm sure... Melissa, do you love Only Time? Um... I, I don't like that song, and I was doing other stuff while watching this movie, so I didn't actually notice the song. Oh, because they play it twice. Oh, I noticed they played a Bare Naked Lady song, but that's only because I saw it on the captioning. I noticed the Enya big time. Like, I recalled that song, like, for sure. Like, it, it just brought back, like, this sense memory to me. Like, I, I think I was telling you guys before, like, I just burst out laughing when I heard <laughs> it because I just could never take that song seriously before. And I knew it was used in movies. I knew it had to be used in movies, but it was a little strange to me that it was this movie. And then he does, does this when he's doing the 12 gifts of Christmas on Thanksgiving Day? That was kind of cute. I thought, I that thought that was... Cute. Merry Christmas, Sarah. Well, I think it's Thanksgiving, isn't it? Not for you. You shouldn't have to wait. <laughs> My sweet Sarah. I bring you 12 gifts of Christmas. Well, yeah, he does, he does cute things like that, and then he hangs up, he wallpapers her apartment with November calendars, because, like, November's all he knows, it's all he ever wants. Like, this month never has to end if it means that they can be together forever, and, like, that's adorable. It's mm-hmm. just that I buy where the relationship winds up, I just don't buy how they get there. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. Like, I feel like there's enough here to work with, but maybe it just goes too quickly, or or they dwell on other things too much. Like, maybe they just should have been the two of them locked in the apartment for a month, right? And that's all we see is their interactions, and we get day numbers as title cards coming up every once in a while, and maybe that could be interesting. And I also thought if her sickness was revealed a little sooner, and Keanu had more time to absorb all that, right? Because it just feels like as soon as he finds out she's sick, it's like, bam, I'll do anything for her. So I feel like maybe if he had a crisis about it for an extra scene or two it would have sank in a bit deeper you know this is not a romantic scenario that i would ever want but i loved it and i am having a hard time picking it apart like you guys this is also coming from a a girl who hates la la land so i don't know that we can really (laughs) my problem with that movie was not the romance it was a lot of other things I want to like all these movies, it's just I can't get into them. Maybe it's the speed at which we're doing them. Maybe we were so into the cage rhythm of everything, we were doing three or more per week, and I was just, like, immersed in cage, and I I have no choice but to love them. And here, just doing one Keanu a week, and, like, not that I'm looking forward to it, but I'm like, okay, here's the Keanu movie for the week, and we get to Sweet November, I'm like, ugh. 
And then, like, I look ahead, and, like, the next one's Hardball, which I've seen before, and it's just, like, I don't I, I don't see a movie coming up that, like, I really want to... Like, the next one that I really am looking forward to is Constantine, and we just talked about that for Shia. So, like, I want to like all these movies. It just feels like the universe is conspiring against me. Yeah, and Keanu, apparently. And Keanu. <laughs> for his choices there. I mean, you will get a couple detours into the Matrix again, so that'll keep you... Oh, yes, I, yes, yes. So we get there. And plus, you love sports, so I'm sure Hardball is going to be a fun episode. It's mm, it's it's a real I've fun, never seen it's a, it. So. I don't want to spoil it, but it's a real downer. <laughs> oh, no, not again. Is it about the strike this time? Like, no, no, it's about, a, it's about like a Little League team. You'll see. You'll see. We'll do that. Uh, okay. That's next week's like episode. Benchwarmers, Bad News Bears type scenario? I don't know, but it's... Uh, we, we'll talk about that next week. That's the, that's the next Keanu Club episode. Yeah, and I am, I am looking forward to the Matrix. I was just looking at the shelf of DVDs, and I had that... I have the collection before, so... I am very much looking forward to Reloaded and Revolutions and the Animatrix, which are coming up very soon. It's just that, like, these, I look at these next, like, ten movies aside from those and just, like, we got weird documentaries, got an unauthorized biography, which is going to be real hit or miss. We've got a ten-part Buddhism documentary. We've got Ellie Parker, which he's probably not in. I mean, it's, it's a real weird four- or five-year <laughs> stretch for him, and just doing one a week and like that's the movie it's like okay like this this is what we're talking about for an hour this is the movie that we're doing yeah it is tough because there's more build up to each week right like there's just that extra time to think about it or to anticipate it yeah can bum you out when the movie does not deliver (laughs) for you and it's just like with cage not only do i feel like the movies were better but yeah we were doing those rapid fire so we really didn't have time to think too hard about certain things i guess like we were just trying to maybe focus on what we liked more because it was going so quickly but i just feel like those were better films too but this is kind of interesting because i wasn't anticipating any of this the idea that his career ebbs and flows so much like you know he's got such high highs and then such incredible lows like i just had no idea Uh, and then all of his like scarce appearances and things and little cameos and such it's like very odd so i mean still glad we're doing it but i mean it's just a very strange turn for his career around this time yeah I have a question about how you're doing the movies. So I know that Keanu Reeves has like kind of a sad, a lot of sad things happen to him in his personal life. Mm -hmm. So do you look at what was happening with him and then like what movie he was doing at the time? No, we haven't that? done that because I feel like that would just make everything more depressing. Because like he yeah, lost his girlfriend would. or fiance. Yeah, I don't. It's come up maybe once or twice. Like he's had an injury, and so that's we talked about that with Chain Reaction, and that's why he's fat in that movie or because he had to put on weight or you know if something I guess critical occurs. But we try not to really put it in that context. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I pretty much okay. base the external factors on what I read on IMDb because I read the trivia and stuff. I mean, we could go way more in depth about Keanu and sort of who he is as a man, but I think that what we've done both for Cage and Keanu and sort of everything else that we've done is really kind of keep it to the movie itself. It could be better to go deeper and say like, oh, like this is, you know, only six months after his accident or whatever. Maybe yeah, we didn't really do that with Cage either, where we were like, oh, he was going through a divorce. Or, I mean, we, we right. had to when he was working with his wife. We were yes. like, okay, they worked, they're married. Yeah, but I don't feel like we necessarily dwelled on his private life as well. Like, oh, I mean, down the line, we it's unavoidable to talk about the, the bankruptcy. Yeah. Made, mm-hmm. Yeah, some films, right. But it yeah. just gets to that point. But for the most part, not even trying to, we just kind of stayed away from most of that talk. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm looking at his thing now, his uh, IMDb page. His last name in one in the thumbsucker is Lyman. 
L-Y-M-A-N. Oh, that's oh, man. so... That, every time I see, like, a sign, I try to take a picture of that and send it to you. So, I mean, I still haven't found another Linum, really. Linum is incredibly common compared to Linum. Yeah, I think Linum's popular in Ireland, maybe. All right. Well, what about Keanu's <laughs> name in this? Did he look like a Nelson to you guys? Because... He did not oh. come across as a Nelson. Nelson's close name. enough to Neo. It's just like Nelson. I forgot that that was his name. I did too. And halfway through the movie, someone's like, hey, Nelson. And I'm like, who are they talking to? No, that's, that's like a dorky name. No, that's not appropriate for like a hot ad man. He needs like a... A like Don. A, yeah. Like well, yeah, Don. I feel like he'd have even changed it to market himself better, right? Yeah. Like as an individual, like maybe like Charlize Theron finds out later his real name is Nelson and like <laughs> starts going by that, you know, like I just watched Four Christmases and you find out Vince Vaughn's real name is Orlando and stuff. So I thought that was kind of a funny reveal and they could have worked that into this. One thing I did learn from the IMDb trivia about this is that Jason Isaacs, who plays the downstairs cross-dressing neighbor, friend, not lover of Charlize, but they love each other. He wandered around drag clubs picking up on behavior to prepare for that scene. And apparently he wanted to bring Keanu with him, but this was right after The Matrix. And like they couldn't go out in public with the guy who's now suddenly the biggest action star in the world. So he just went alone. Like Keanu doesn't need to cross dress in this movie. We do get Michael Rosenbaum, a.k.a. Lex Luthor from Smallville, Mm -hmm. sort of in a not a huge role. I mean, I think Smallville was on at this time, too, or just about to go on. So we have all these kind of wholesome, you know, Gilmore Girls, Smallville, these wholesome TV shows sort of beginning around this time, and major actors from those in, you know, not, not the way that you expect them or not the way that they're portrayed in the other shows. I really like Jason Isaacs in this, even though he has a small part. But I just, I don't, he's in the OA and I just watched that and Mm. it was so terrible. So I really liked him in this. It was different and it was good. One thing that was funny about Rosenbaum is, AKA Lex Luthor, he was in another movie where he cross-dressed and pretended to be a sporty girl. I don't know, but him and two other guys were trying to... Because I, I definitely have, like, pictures of him in my brain. Like, I don't think I've seen that movie, but I have other pictures I'm in my brain of him cross-dressing. And I'm just like, is this... I'm like, I- I've never seen Sweet November. I'm like, there's got to be... And I wanted to I wanted to ask about that. Like, that's weird. Maybe, no, no judgment on his personal life, but maybe that's something that he wants to do? Sorority boys. I mean, he looks he looks pretty okay in a dress. I mean, like, you know, if you can rock it, if you want to wear it, go for it. I... I recommend Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, if you want to see Swayze, Leguizamo, and Wesley Snipes in drag. I mean, they look great in that, too. You I know? think I, I mean, have that some, on my team, some guys can just <laughs> some, some guys can just make it work, I guess. Oh, one other little Keanu connection, key connection, whatever we're doing, that I saw in this movie is that a couple different times, Charlize blindfolds him and just sort of like to let go and just, you know, I guess use other senses or whatever. But at the end of the movie, it really gave me a flash forward to The Matrix Revolutions, where, spoiler alert, he gets blinded and has to be, you know, when he's flying through his ship with Trinity, he's flying with that blindfold around his head. And he kind of looks like that. Because this is definitely, you know, the residual self-image of Keanu Reeves in The Matrix. Like, this is what he looks like in those movies. And so to see him, not that that's like, you know, it's only maybe half an hour of that final movie where he's in the blindfold, so it's not necessarily the most important look, but it is sort of an iconic, at least in my mind, Keanu look. And just to see him in this, a little bit of a prenection. I've never seen the third Matrix. I love it. Oh, I didn't like the second one that much, so I just never watched the third. It's all more like one long movie. Yeah. So, yeah, two and three. Two has more action. Three has... Well, three has... 
the action in two is better. And we'll talk about this plenty with John Brooks, our religion expert, but the action in two is better. But yeah, the philosophy oh. in three is way better. Although I think, isn't the architect in the second movie? Yeah, right? Like that. Yeah, movie. and there's still a giant battle of Zion too. So. Yeah, but that's that action, like that fight, and we're, I don't want to talk about that too much, but like that fight is, ooh, way, way too long. That is, uh, that's, that's rough. Um, but yeah, Melissa, any last thoughts about Sweet November? Anything else about this movie that you love and cherish that you wanted to talk about? I think it's a good movie to watch if you're into watching sad movies, but it's not that sad, but it's like, it's a little bit. So I know that's not a good description, but if you like sad movies, watch it. That's fair. I don't know who's listening to this who now wants to go back and watch the movie, but do you think it plays better if you don't know the twist? Which we've just ruined. Right. Which I feel like is out there already. There's also like a line she says really early in the movie where she says, 30 days, that's a whole month. Or like, you'll never have to see me again or whatever. Like it was basically like, if you do this and you spend one month with me, you'll never see me again. I was like, oh yeah, because you're going to die. Like you just like, there's not even like an option to do that. I mean, it's not exactly that cut and dry, but there's a little bit of like hinting ahead to, oh, she's not going to be around forever. And she's wearing scarves all the time and she's got lymphoma. Not that, I mean, I guess this because I already knew that, that it was pointed at, like I realized, but... But hey, man, it's also fall there. in San Francisco with Oakland, so I mean, it's it's chilly up there, it's breezy. You gotta wear it's scarves. It's cold there in July. It's cold there when I've been there. <laughs> I don't like it. Mike, any last thoughts on Sweet November? I mean, I think it's a, a perfectly fine date night movie, you know, like if you just want to throw something on, but there's nothing, re- I don't really get too deep into this one. I mean, I can't understand the dislike for it, though. Like, I really felt like this would have a higher score. But I think it's like, yeah, I mean, you could do, like, way worse within this genre. I haven't seen everything in the... in the. I guess it's not a rom-com, but I haven't seen everything in just the romantic genre recently, but from what I've seen... I think it's fine. I actually feel like it works better if you know that she's sick the whole time (laughs) because it just takes forever to make that reveal. And I just feel like it would have had more impact if it was earlier. And if you know she's sick, you can kind of look for clues and things. Like I think one time some guy asks if she wants an Advil and then says, so she gets headaches. And so there's little hints at hiding it and that she is sick. But I feel like if you knew it, maybe it would work a little better. It's not a strong recommend, but... I'd say, yeah, you could watch it. Also, Charlize Theron steals a dog in this movie, and that's pretty cool. Oh, Ernie. <laughs> Ernie. Liberates it. Liberates it, right? It was going to be put down, I think. It was like going to get medical tests or something, like testing on yeah. it. Yeah. She's a radical activist in this movie. I feel bad for whoever Ernie went to after she nurses him back to health for a couple of weeks because then Keanu goes and steals Ernie back. Hey, like, you know, this woman's dying. Like, we need, we need the dog back. So, all right, here's Ernie. There we go. Maybe they just lent him out. Until she died. <laughs> That's grim. That's <laughs> a loner dog. The only other thing I have is that Charlie's Theron turned down Pearl Harbor to do this movie, so I don't think I've seen Pearl Harbor, but I mean, this, she's good in this, so it's fine. I think you this is good. Seen I think Pearl right Harbor? Choice. No, I'm, I'm familiar with the story. Oh my god, is that Josh guys, see more romantic movies. And Affleck. Yeah, Kate Beckinsale's in it. Wow, everyone, everyone. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Garner's in it, you guys. Is that where Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner met? Yeah, I mean, they probably met on that movie, but I don't think they're in the, any scenes together. I think he means, like, met and, like, fell in love. And got yeah. Married, I don't think, think they fell in love in this movie, but I think they might have, like, met each other on set. You said Daredevil. one thing that's interesting, Joey, is, like, I think what saves this movie is the 
caliber of actors we have here. Like we mentioned in The Devil's Advocate about Charlize Theron, like she's just phenomenal. We should do talking Theron or, you know, chatting Charlize or whatever, <laughs> like come up with a name. But hers is a career that is that I like is very interesting. I'm, I'm into her work and I like watching her. And yeah, I do think like she kind of makes this character work where a lot of other actresses might not have been able to pull this off. And that's a testament to to her and yeah so I think even just for them it's worth watching I don't like this movie but I like both of them as actors and I, I like both of them in this movie it's just the crazy weird everything of the script that Melissa's willing to overlook but we've had mm-hmm. problems with that that's where I hang up but yeah I mean it's likable I mean it didn't feel slow it didn't drag I didn't want to turn it off it was just not specifically for me so there's definitely worse Keanu movies like I'm not going to put this near, anywhere near the bottom like this is in the middle of my Keanu hierarchy in terms of what I like and stuff I, I would I would probably at some point rewatch this. I mean, it's not a movie that I'm going to want to rewatch like, you know, the cage rom-coms or Family Man or whatever, but it's definitely, I like this a lot more than other stuff we've done over the last couple months and definitely better than his high school phase. So for all things Keanu Club, if you want to go back and listen to all of those wonderful episodes about those wonderful movies that I don't like, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub. Melissa, thank you for being here. Melissa was on the Cameron Diaz episode, Feeling Minnesota. So if you want to hear about another movie that's not quite a rom-com, go back and listen to that one. That's definitely not as good as this and not as likable as this. It's a very different vibe, but that's available at cageclub.me and facebook.com slash cageclub. All sorts of fun, free listening things at those two places. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Melissa Lynham, and we'll see you next time on Keanu Club. It's a hot dog! It's a hot dog!